0: Radio.
1: Brunch talk.
0: With Olive.
1: Welcome to The Brunch Talk with me, Olive Nejuma. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Like I always say, you are the real MVP. You take off your time to listen to what we have to share on The Brunch Talk. And uh, if you're joining us for the very first time, The Brunch Talk is where we have conversations with uh, people from different uh, spheres of life. It can be opinion leaders, it can be professionals, or it sometimes can be just a conversation with someone that has a achieved so much and we want to learn how did you do it what did you do how did you start that's what we do here on the branch talk and like i said my name is olive so today we are going to have a very special guest her name is dr linda at linda Linda recently graduated from Makere University with a bachelor's degree in medicine and surgery which she completed with a 4.57 C GPA which um, if you studied journalism like me (laughs) or if you did uh, social works and social administration that would be a first class degree but medical degrees are not classified so but of course uh, outstanding students are recognized and Linda graduated at the top of her class. How do they say that? <laughs> <laughs> Normally in a movie, it's like valedictorian, uh, Exactly. Yes. So yeah, Linda graduated at the top of her class. If you use Twitter, I'm sure last week you saw her trending. There was the hashtag, uh, the hashtag, congratulations, Linda. And so we were like, why not? Let's have a conversation with this young woman that has achieved so much uh, in quite a short time. I mean, she just graduated. So Linda is also a public speaker. She mainly mentors school children. She's a Rotaracta with uh, the Rotaract Club of Mulago. And of course, she is a telesupport psychotherapist. Eh, that is a mouthful. <laughs> and if you're wondering what that is, it means she is a mental health professional and also health researcher. Linda, it feels like you have achieved so much in such a short time because it feels like... Uh, your professional life has not even begun yet. And yet you have all these things going on for you. (laughs) So anyway, Linda will tell us more about why, first of all, she decided to become a doctor and uh, what she intends to do for our medical sector going forward when we come back. Brunch Talk with Olive. So as I said earlier, today's Brunch Talk is special in the sense that we want to encourage a student out there, a young woman out there. And I I know when you're listening, you're like, Olive, why are you saying young woman? Of course, even young men, but it is something huge when a young woman achieves so much because uh, if you know our history as women, um, we come from a background of uh, girls were meant to be in the kitchen. Girls were meant to be mothers. Girls were meant to just take care of the family yet we have the same brains as men so when i see a young woman that has gone there sat in class and came out at the top of that class congratulations linda thank you so much for <laughs> i'm happy uh,
0: to be here yeah
1: so yes welcome to the branch talk i'm happy to have you oh, the pleasure is all mine okay so let's jump right into it and i'll start from the beginning where did you go to school And (laughs) have you always been an A student? okay those are really great questions okay so um, funny
0: thing is that uh, when I started out I actually realized I went to a UPE school in the start yes wow uh, because that was near school mm-hmm. I mean near home and so my mom decided it was easier to go there but then after some time I moved to hillside primary school in Nadia
1: I'm a hillside parent uh, yeah yes
0: <laughs> and it's actually one of the best schools right now in Uganda yes so even before I can go any further I really really uh, privileged to have a privileged have from the best schools because for primary school, I mm. went to Hillside Nasserine
1: Primary School. But you didn't tell us the name of the UPE ah, school. The UPE
0: <laughs> 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 it's Chambogo Primary School. So okay. both my parents are lecturers at Chambogo University. Okay. And mm. at that time, my mom was in driving gates and she didn't trust us to use um, transportation to a school. So she preferred a school where she could take us to school herself. Mm-hmm. And that's by foot. Um, so that she didn't have to worry about if we've reached school safe. That's the time when there was the whole chibaba nothing. Mm. I don't know if you remember yes, that yes. time and my mom has always been really cautious when it comes to her children. So she preferred for us to be nearby and then when um, she could trust the school transportation, we moved to a school that was further away from home mm-hmm. but that offered great education. And that
1: is Hillside Primary School. Yes. Hey guys, hey eh? Olives kids go to those schools also. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my son went to that school. So please continue.
0: Yes, and so um after Hillside Primary School, I went to Mount Saint Mary's Namagunga for my O level and elevo and then after that is when I went to Macquarie University for my bachelor's in uh, medicine and surgery, and I've always been an a student. I think I can say yes, yeah. Uh, because uh, on Sunday I had my grad party, okay. and I was privileged to have all my teachers there, from primary school to secondary school to university. Wow. Actually, one of my secondary school teachers reached out and said my graduation party was one of a kind because she'd never attended one where even teachers are invited from previous education levels. Usually, it's just friends and family. Mm. But it was the first time that she was seeing like, a university graduate inviting her primary school teachers. Um, teachers. But it's because for me, really, Hillside wasn't just a school. It mm. was a family. They believed in us. And when in Hillside even before it became such a great institution. Mm. So I think that's partly what has contributed to my success, that I've had people who have believed in me, not just my parents, not just my siblings or friends, but even the people who have taught me. They've always believed in me. And so it has really encouraged me and propelled me to do the best I can at each level.
1: Wow. So you had uh, your primary school teachers, secondary school teachers and even university lecturers. Yes. You're one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a medicine and surgery. I want to know at what point did you know that you wanted to be a doctor? so I can't
0: say it was a single scenario but I think growing up like just like you say, there have always been medical series or movies that portray doctors but I was always fascinated by surgeons because of uh, the fact that they could open up someone mm-hmm. and then close them up and the person goes on with their lives like, it's not like the life has stopped anything like that so I've always been fascinated by that so I was like at the moment I'm able to get that chance mm-hmm. I'll be able to take it on though um, as I went through medical school I realized that now medicine has advanced. We don't always have to open up people to be able yes. to help them out. So I'm also trying to see, can I take on that other direction? Because there is a cardiac surgeon, yes, would have to open up your chest to be able to work on your heart in case you had like a heart attack or something. But then there's also people called call interventional cardiologists. Mm-hmm. So those cardiologists don't open up. They just go through like your blood vessels, your veins, to be able to access your heart and offer the help. So that's the alternative. In case I don't do cardiac surgery, then I'd be looking at doing interventional cardiology because for it it doesn't involve opening up and uh, whenever we don't open up a patient then the chances of recovery are even higher
1: ah so actually now that brings me to the next question when you say cardiac surgery so does that mean that you want to be um a cardiac surgeon i was trying to look for that <laughs> word from <Gris> anatomy, <laughs> yes. cardiovascular whatever yes. yeah that's what you want to be?
0: Yes. So um, I think before we join medical school, we we already have um, a path, a direction. Mm. Uh, but once you join medical school and then you, uh, you opened up to all these possibilities. Because before I used to say I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. And so a cardiothoracic surgeon isn't only limited to the heart. They can also work on the lungs. I don't know if you've had people with osophageal cancer. The oesophagus is a food pipe. Mm-hmm. So those cardiothoracic surgeons can also work on that. But then the more I went into medical school, the more I realized that cardiothoracic surgeons are a bit different from cardiac surgeons. That's also when I learned about interventional cardiologists and learned that they can also help out without necessarily cutting open. So that's what I'm trying to see. But my great, great passion is in cardiac surgery. So yes, cardiac surgeon. But in case a few years from now you hear that I'm an interventional cardiologist don't wonder what happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because medicine has advanced. Yes, it has
0: advanced. So it's no uh, longer just about opening up.
1: Ah, uh, so that means uh, at some point, maybe that would be actually a great route because yeah. if medicine has advanced and you don't necessarily have to open someone up. It means that, uh, what did you call them? Alternative cardiosurgeons? Interventional. interventional, interventional cardiologists. Yeah, maybe they yeah. may be more in, um, you know, in vogue, for lack of a better word, <laughs> <one, laughs> than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like and again, I go back to Grey's Anatomy because that's where most of my medical information comes from. But that seems like a very challenging part of medicine. Mm-hmm. It is not general medicine where you tell someone you have malaria or that you have arthritis and stuff like that. Yes. Um, aren't you the least bit afraid that maybe it may be too much? so like they always say if your dreams don't scare you then you <laughs>
0: need to dream bigger so it is really scary mm. uh, but also uh, that's when I really appreciate the power of mentorship we've okay. been through medical school most of our leaders they are now women mm. and we are really really privileged to have been born in such times because a few years ago women were not anywhere that's but true. right now to see the principal of my college and my was a female the dean of school of medicine was a female most of the heads of departments they are now females I really can't say that as a woman I'll be and they're all married because that's the question oh that's the (laughs) other thing because
1: men usually say oh women who achieve so much in the corporate world or who have very you know strenuous kind of um, uh, professions cannot be wives cannot be mothers and uh, I don't know many of course in the field I know many doctors like I see them but I don't know them personally and uh, one of the women that stands out for me is Dr. Sabrina Chitaka Mm -hmm. and I'm like this lady is my married. She's a mother of I think three or four yeah. and then she's achieving so much. So yes. who says girls can do it?
0: Exactly. So just you've said it perfectly. They are married, <laughs> they have families, they're not divorced So it, and they keep emphasizing it because once in a while we have mentorship sessions where they come and talk to us and they keep saying that it's very important for females to also actively seek out their partners, to get someone who is supportive mm. because society says it's men who are supposed to seek out partners and so when they come, automatically we're supposed to emerge embrace them and receive them but yes when it comes you can assess because as a lady you have your own brain you can say is this someone I want to spend the rest of my life with is this someone who seems supportive mm. or is this someone who is uh, very dominating and condescending and won't allow me thrive so once you're presented with all these options of men you need to be able to pick out someone that you think will support you in that journey so yeah I know <laughs> I'm really trying to give out advice to the young uh, ladies, no no please yeah, go ahead yes, I think that's what I would really emphasize someone who is supportive so
1: you go away from the whole cheesy stuff of uh, oh I love him, he's handsome, he's tall, yeah. has a nice body. You need to have a partner that a is willing to work with you, yeah. support you, and uh, support your dreams. Because as a doctor, there is so much you can do. Mm-hmm. There is as in. I feel like you haven't even scratched the surface because I believe you're going in for internship. Mm -hmm. How long is internship? Uh, A year. A year. And then after that, that's when you're going to seek for active employment, right? So if you meet someone that is uh, non-secure in himself and uh, who thinks that when you achieve so much then you're going to be a challenge then that's not the kind of man you need especially as a young woman that is just plunging into this field of work and uh, a profession like yours yes oh (laughs) interesting and I like that um, your professors uh, most of them are women and that they mentor you because it's one thing you see you talked about marriage it's one thing for someone to tell you that marriage is bad for you mm-hmm. it's another for someone who is walking the journey to tell you by the way you can achieve your dream as a doctor you can be uh you can achieve so much you can be um a trailblazer but also be a wife and be um a mother Yes, because so those like aspects be are really important. And yet most of the times they make <coughs>
0: it seem like once you're professional, then you have to put family aside or marriage aside. But I believe the true essence of success to be able to not really balance, because maybe balance might be a, a funny term, but like really be able to have all those aspects of your life mm. put together. So I also would encourage young ladies not to completely ignore that bit and, be, and not think that they need men. I have my own money. What do I need him for? I think mm. inevitably we all need support system systems and where we are headed at my age at least I I need to start thinking about that because it's very important I would not want to reach 30 and then I'm thinking okay out of all the people I'm
1: working with who should I go with and so okay I as a lady in her 30s 30s is not so bad no, no, <laughs> but no, I know but where I mean, you're coming yes, from like
0: I mean like um it shouldn't I shouldn't I don't not have thought about it and then now it's you coming don't up want suddenly. to just settle yes
1: oh who, yes, who is there who is available who should I go yes. with no you don't want to do that yeah. you need to plan and By the way, I don't know when uh, why uh, women, especially us, because our male counterparts by plan these things. A guy will say after campus, maybe 25, I'm going to work for these years and maybe I will invest in a side hustle for these years and then at this age, I should be looking for a life, seeking for a lifetime partner. Whereas for us, we don't want to even think about it. We don't want to plan. We Mm -hmm. don't want to say, I would like to settle at this age. If you find a lady that wants to get married, someone of them just go into it after graduation she's getting married Mm -hmm. and normally i'm like why are you getting married you need to first do your job but after uh, working for a bit then you can start like okay um which partner do i need coming back to what you said. Yes. I, you don't want to say to. And then after that, you're like, okay, when do I want to get married? Yes. And if all the your ducks in a row and God, you know, blesses you, you get a partner, then you get into marriage. Yeah. Why are we talking about marriage? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the brunch Talk. My name is Olive Najuma and I am honored to host the best student on this year's graduation at Macquarie University. That is, um is um, Dr. Linda, actually I don't know what your mom was thinking <laughs> because your names are so alike. But yeah. yes, Linda graduated at the top of her class. She is a, a medical doctor and she's going to tell us more about her journey at the university and of course where she is going when we come back. Brunch Talk with Olive. Welcome back. This is The Branch Talk with Olive, Monica, Najuma. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. And uh, if you're a student or a parent or guardian and you know a child that is going through school and they have big dreams, this is the show that you need to listen to because today we have a special guest with us and that is Dr. Linda Atulinda. And uh, if you're wondering why is she special? uh, She's special because first of all we've all gone to school but How many of us have graduated at the top of our class? I'm sure not so many. (laughs) So Linda, like I said in the beginning, I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of uh, your achievement. And uh, for young women out there, I feel like you are one of those women of our time that young girls can look up to. And say, I want to be like Linda. When um, Barack Obama became the president of the United States with Michelle by his side, many young girls at the time—I was not really young, but I was in high school—and I was one of those girls who are like, I want to be like Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today, when a young woman like you, beautiful as you are, because there is also that belief that beautiful girls are airheads, and I know we are not. Yes. <laughs> so when I see a young young woman beautiful like you are and uh, confident and you have gone followed your dream and achieved it i'm like whoa i am standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway coming back to medicine you said um, you you have told us about how the journey started the schools you went to but i'm curious to know what really inspired you to want to be a doctor so
0: um, I would say from a young age, uh, my mom mentioned that she had a heart condition and it was really affecting how she went by. Mm. And so I thought, how can I um, help my mom out? And I think that's why I'm really <coughs> driven towards anything cardiac, anything to do with a human mm. heart. And so I started to like um, read around it as young as I was. And by then Google wasn't such a thing, but I saw something like cardiac surgeon. And so I said, What do I need to be a cardiac surgeon? So I knew I had to go to the best schools. And um, I think after my P7, my mom asked me where I wanted to go. And I have to go to Namagunga.
1: Oh, your mom even gave you that option. Yes. And wow. and that's actually
0: one of the things I wanted to talk about. Support systems. My mm. parents have been really, really supportive. So in the beginning, I mentioned my mom, like my dad wasn't in my life. But at that time, my dad was out of the country, was doing his PhD. And so the early years of my life was in there. But about, when I was about 80 I came back. And so my parents have been really, really supportive. They've never forced me to do anything. They always ask me first, what do you want to do? And then they support me. And even the most recent example is where I want to go for internship. So initially, I wanted to go up country. I wanted to do my internship in Gulu. Oh. And everyone thought, why Gulu? Why would you just stay around Kampala? It's much easier here because um, Gulu is so far away. Mm. It's really, really hot. Uh, but I wanted to go there. The The setting is different from Kampala. The, the patient um, turnover is quite large. They get a large number of patients. So I wanted to treat as many as possible. But then I rethought it and I was like, okay, Nsambia is also good enough. So if I could go to Nsambia for... Um, my internship that would also be good though we don't get to choose so I just really oh, have to pray oh you're just praying yes so the government takes me there But my so my parents initially when I told them about Gulu they are a bit worried but they're like we shall support whatever um, you decide to do so yeah they've always um let me choose and then they just support me so I went in Amagonga. I made sure I did really well at S4 because the marks you get at S4 determine what you get to do at um, a, level. a level so at A level I did a combination that would allow me to do medicine was I that
1: PCB ah, you PCBS. Were there people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's <was also> another <laughs> hassle because by then um BCM was easier, biology, chemistry math, but I was like, you know what, let me do the traditional uh combination. So I chose physics, chemistry and biology, and I'm in the era where we're just doing three principal subjects. So I did that. Oh, you were not you know, like
1: stroking with something else.
0: We're stroking with sub math, but we're not four principles. Mm. We're just
1: three principles. Oh and yes, one subsidiary. you p- you people came in later yeah, because later. at my time we were
0: doing four principles. So it was a bit different for Mm. So I got to do that. And then lucky for me, I got medicine on government. So On like,
1: government? Yes. Can we take a moment? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Linda.
0: Okay. Yes. So when I got it on government, I was like, now finally I'm here. And so I need to work really hard to make sure that I am good at whatever I choose to be. Just like you said, we have different professionals. whether the pediatricians who take care of children, the obstetrics and gynecology team that takes care of women, the surgeons, the physicians, the, the adult doctors. So as like by time I get out of medical school, I should be able to choose from any of these. I shouldn't be limited because sometimes when you're going through medical school, by the time you're done with those five years, you know that some fields are not yours. Not yours. Yes, yes. exactly. But I think is. that's where
1: some people branch into pharmacy. Yes. They're like, I'm not about to cut people. Open. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I made sure that by the time I'm done with medical school my grades are good enough and usually people say it doesn't matter the grades you get as long as you're a good doctor which is true Mm. but by the time someone is coming out of medical school with very good grades those who have been through medical school know how hard it is so it must be really exceptional Mm. to be able to do that and I'm not blowing my own trumpet I'm just saying that for anyone who wants to be a doctor anyone out there who is listening they need to carry that hard work from secondary school from high school into university because that's what one of our testimonies uh, one of our classmates was giving that um they thought they only needed to work hard in secondary school, get medicine on government and then come and relax. I mean it's campus, you can mm. party all night, no one is going to run after you, no one is calling you for assignments or going to beat you up for those that came from schools where they used to beat them up. Some people come to campus and really relax. And that happened to some of my classmates. But I think second year, second sem was really, really hard and that's what woke them up and made them realize that <laughs> they were like the if I need to get, really get this tough. thing,
1: yes. I might might as well or you know, start being careful and uh, study hard.
0: Yes. So that's when most of them woke up and most of them can testify that mm-hmm. after that second year, they realized that they needed to double their efforts and stop playing around. So by third year, they were a lot more serious. And by the time we graduated, most of my classmates were doing really, really well. I'm proud of my cohort. I think they will be great
1: professionals and I can't wait for the world to experience. Them. Oh my, I like that. I like the sound of that. So um, what is your bucket list as a doctor? We already know you want to go into cardiac surgeon, yeah. uh, surgery. Sorry, and uh, I am curious to know what are those uh, things you feel like as a cardiac surgeon you must endeavor to change or improve, especially when it comes to our country. That is, if you want to practice here. Yes.
0: <laughs> so actually, that's usually a debate that we have: should we stay in Uganda, should hmm. we go to the US or European countries? What brings the debate? Is it the pay? it's the pay and the well, conditions because uh, right now as I speak um, we have what we call SHOs they are the residents the equivalent to the residents that you usually see in Grey's Anatomy oh yes, yes. my Grey's Anatomy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they are the cornerstone kind of medical education yes we have the professors but mm. these residents are on ward a lot more than the consultants because they're they are, they are postgraduate students but they've not been paid in months Intern doctors have not been paid in months and so we keep urging the government to please please pay them because um, they do a great lot of the work in the hospitals but they're also great teachers for the medical students. And so when you see that as a resident, you're training, maybe when one intern, were not paid well, they have to strike to get the money. Mm. When you're a resident, you not paid well, you have, to, you have to strike to get the money. So you see that the encourage and me to And even when stay. the money
1: comes, yes. it's not, I mean when you look at your counterparts, just in neighboring Kenya, yes. there is a very huge difference yes. between what they earn and what you guys earn down here. Exactly. So when you look at the PEP, you look at the conditions.
0: Sometimes we don't have medical supplies. Sometimes there's a shortage. I, I think the whole of last year there was a shortage in government. Generally, they didn't have money for different things we could see on the news. Um,
1: a finance minister saying there's no money for anything. So, even right now, yes. the NDA is going through a, a tough time. They don't have drugs. Some hospitals do not have drugs. Mm. So, I don't know how bad it is when you go to the surgical part of things. It's,
0: it's really, really bad. Most of the times, we mm. are stuck. You have the surgeons ready. We have the, the whole surgical team because it has other people except the surgeons, it has the nurses, the nurse that is who's that give the sleeping drug ready to work. But if there are no supplies, if there are no, like the things that needed to do the surgery are not there, then their hands are tied. And so we keep losing our patients to very preventable causes and yet we could do something. So I don't know how to urge the government to make the health sector priority, but that would really, really save us so many lives that we're losing. Because even all these accidents that we keep seeing, that accidents claimed over 4,000 and lives in 2022 most of those patients if they could reach hospital and the supplies are there they could be saved because not everyone dies on the spot Mm. but even those that are rushed to hospital eventually die because maybe there is no blood or if there is blood there is no like the equipment they need to give the blood aren't there so yeah those are some of the challenges that were facing but ask me about my bucket list yeah um so if i was to practice in uganda as a surgeon. there's what we call minimal access surgery. So I'd already talked about the advancements that we're having in surgery. We're no longer being as open as possible like cutting someone open and you have to bring, remove out everything before you can perform the surgery. Now we're trying to make sure that the cuts that we make on the body are as small as possible so that, um yes, so that uh, we're able to do the surgery without causing a lot of harm. So that would be part of it. So there are different things I would say. There's laser surgery, there's laparoscopic surgery, that's a minimal access surgery. There's even robotic surgery, but we don't have it in Uganda yet. So as a surgeon, I'd be looking to um, get involved in that and try to make the cuts on the body as small as possible.
1: Oh, so you would also be willing to advocate for such things to be you know, present yes, in the country. Yes. But then uh, oh, it brings me to my next question. If... Um, You advocate for, let's say, getting certain resources, machines are needed to do your work. What would you say about stories we see in the newspapers where um, money is given, maybe donated for such uh, resources to be uh, gotten into the hospitals, but then that money is squandered by the people that are in charge or in cases where, I have seen stories where they say we got this machine but it has not worked for two years. Exactly.
0: So I really don't know. That's a managerial problem I Ah. would say. Exactly. (laughs) But then also as doctors we're having that conversation of late. Uh, I think as doctors we get reluctant. We are behind the scenes most of the time. We Mm. don't come up to actually take up these uh, managerial positions and these leadership positions because for example it's a current discussion we're having in our class group. Uh, We don't have enough doctors in the parliament in the ministries because if we had enough doctors in the parliament, they'd mm. be able to represent these causes that we're fighting for right now. So, you and need so, representation yes, really everywhere, do. yeah. So, I urge doctors not to get comfortable and say, I've studied for my six years, I uh, have my knowledge, and you don't want to be like, No, politics is not my thing. Which the, now there's a difference in the politics of kneeling
1: down to think <laughs> that, <laughs> that I was know. coming <laughs> to that <Exactly>. because obviously, <laughs> um, uh, you know what happened to yes. Dr. Samuel Oledo yeah. when he prostrated himself before. For the president yes. asking him to stand again in 2026. Now, yeah. a section of doctors, actually the first time I heard about that, mm-hmm. I was uh, meeting a friend who is a pharmacist mm-hmm. and it was like I was um, at this youth convention and then this guy I don't even know his name, yeah. he prostrated himself before the president and was asking the rest of us to do it yes. he's not in medical school or even working for the government yeah. and he was so disturbed yeah. by the event yeah. and then later I I saw the news. And so there is a section of uh, medical professionals who are like, why would anyone do that? Yes. And then there is a, a section who say, which says that we have to appreciate the president for what he has done. Because when I interviewed Dr. Oledo, he said, the president has done so much for yes. us. We have uh, these machines here and there that we didn't have. So we had to do this. Yes. So you were saying there is a difference. <laughs> yeah. Which representation would be viable for doctors? So, I think it would
0: be just to uh, make sure that, because we have a few doctors, I think, that are uh, ministers away from the Ministry of Health. I think there's Dr. Chris there is, um Before, there's Dr. Elioda as a minister, mm. you know, I think, Science and Technology. There's a, so, uh, so, there are a few doctors, but who would need more vocal doctors to be maybe MPs of their different constituencies. They don't need to leave it to people maybe who did, like you said, social work or journalism, because we ideally think they have more time, so they have more time to be in I mean, the rest of us should be in hospital, but if they could just come out and be like the layman and represent their people and be vocal about it, that way they can get into spaces of influence and then be able to um, fight for the young doctors. But then also, just to go back a bit to Dr. Ledo, we later found out that um, State House sponsored him through school. And so they think it was more personal mm. than it was um, about representing doctors. Because I
1: know he has also been at the forefront of most of the strikes, I've seen. medical doctors are standing down he's at the forefront interns are striking, he's at the forefront Uh, because I've interviewed him several times and uh, you could see the passion, the first time I talked to him I told my producer, hey this gentleman is passionate he was you know talking to someone who is really really angry not angry at me Mm -hmm. but about whoever is not doing what they're supposed to do so I think uh, maybe we need to cut him some slack. Yes
0: I think that's really (laughs) it and we really really do appreciate just like you said that all the previous strikes, interns have been involved in has really been of great help. There's even a time they arrested interns as interns they don't have a lawyer but the Mm. the Uganda Medical Association has lawyers and that's how those interns Was able to come out of prison. He was able to get in touch with the company lawyers and they got them out. So it's been really instrumental in the fight for better pay. Uh, But that particular um, kneeling down it was, was it less, left a bad We think test. it was more personal than it was uh, oh. to represent doctors. So okay. that's why some doctors cut him the slack. You know.
1: um, and that makes sense. I mean, all of us are at some point. We make mistakes. Yeah. And uh, and of course, we are human. Sometimes our personal needs and uh, goals get in the way of, you know, uh, the proper vision of things. Yeah. Well, you're listening to The Branch Talk and I'm having a good time here with Dr. Linda. At Linda, the newest doctor on the blog. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) We'll be right back. Brunch Talk
0: with Olive.
1: It's a beautiful day and uh, it's a beautiful time and if I may sound like Dr. Mark Jimmy what was his name Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy it's a beautiful day to save lives. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome back to the brunch talk and why am I speaking in medical terms why am I sounding like a doctor it's because I'm hosting the best doctor the best student from medical school at Macquarie University for the year 2022 and that is Dr. Linda at Linda Well, Linda, eh, for me, I'm a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan and um, I have daughters. I have two little girls Mm -hmm. and uh, um, the other day I was talking to my daughter. One of them is really kind and she loves people. When I'm doing homework with her, I see her favorite subjects being uh, mathematics and science. Of course, it's too early. She's only in P3. It's too early for me to judge where she'll go. But the other day I was like, so... Um, Of course, that was me pushing me my, <laughs> what I want. Though like your parents, I would never try to, you know, make my daughters do things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I asked her, are you very kind? You care about people. Would you like to be a doctor? She's like, um, maybe. Yeah. I'm like, so which doctor would you want to be? She's like, I like to take care of kids. And I'm like, okay, I hope. I'm hoping. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, coming back to you as a a young doctor, um, plunging yourself into this sector, I'm curious to know what your views are. We have talked about the health sector and you have said things about um, how doctors are there, uh, surgeons are there, they are ready to do their work, but they don't have the resources. But then how about... um, As someone who also coaches young children, how about um, kids from humble backgrounds that have big dreams? What would you say to those children? That it's
0: possible Mm. and um usually we think um because okay for me i've been to the best school so someone might think i need to take my child to the best primary school the best secondary school but we know not everyone can afford to Mm -hmm. and so i think i would start by um urging schools when they see talented kids who are not able to uh, afford school fees instead of pushing them away and and just them away from school because of school fees they should um seek out parents at are capable to be able to support these um, children because even in Namagunga we had a few classmates who could not afford the school fees but, but the headmistress by then because she left after a few years was really really supportive of them should reach out to board members and say I have these five students who cannot afford to pay a single shilling. And we can't afford to lose them. Yes and we can't afford to lose them and they're oh. really passionate and they are ready to be committed and to be able to get the good marks out of um, their school time. So when the, whenever I should talk to these board members who are very willing someone would say I'll cover the tuition and would say I'll cover the pocket wow, money and, and you know that say,
1: such a thing can happen
0: exactly so sometimes um, I think many talented um, children miss out on such opportunities because no one is advocating for them no one is fighting for them the moment you can't pay the remaining let's say 300,000 you have school fees I even mean, if you've paid 1.2 and the tutor is 1.5 they send you out of class That's and true. you have to be home for like two weeks looking for school fees and you're wasting you're losing out your time out, yeah, exactly. yes. so that would be one of the things that I would encourage um, head teachers or even us really as a parent sometimes your child comes back home and tells you maybe this best friend of theirs missed school because they couldn't afford school fees so you could come up as parents and say oh, contribute a quarter and maybe three other parents contribute a quarter well it and takes
1: a certain <laughs> level of uh, being kind <laughs> yes exactly
0: <laughs> but it really depends on how close you are to that um, student obviously as a parent but some parents are able to do mm. so yeah some people are, are financially capable
1: okay so um um uh, you have so much going on for you. Yeah. You have been in medical school and that is like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Yet, you are also in the Rotaract Club of Mulago. You mentor children. You are a tele-psychotherapist. Yes. I hope I got that right. Yes. So how do you do all this? How do you find time to do everything that you love? Because uh, I know one of your friends, I won't mention a yeah. name, <laughs> but uh, she says you have a full life. Like mm-hmm. you're always present. Yes. How do you do it?
0: Um, so I think for me I would go back to support systems I don't know how many times I've said that but mm. I've said it in different phases in yes. initially I said with my teachers who believed in me then my parents yes. have been really supportive <laughs> but now I'll go to my friends mm. so I think it takes a village to raise someone and really for me my village has had all those different components my friends were really really helpful because medical school is quite a lot there's a lot we need to know in such a short period of time uh, but knowing that I had my friends to study with really really helped me so let's if I spent my entire Saturday afternoon in a retroact activity or my whole Sunday, maybe at a school mentoring students and helping them out in different aspects, I would know that for the rest of the weekdays I would have to catch up. So we'd have discussions and I would spend like maybe three to four hours just trying to patch things up and say we learned this or this is on uh, this is maybe on the lecture schedule or have we revised this, have we learned this? So really for me what got me through medical school were those discussions and they're really really important and I'm also glad for the peer mentorship that we had while at the medical school because the people that went before us actually gave us that tip that don't uh, don't let, let this not be a solo ride don't think I'm enough I can do this alone hmm. get as much help as possible so they encourage us that as early as possible embrace discussion groups and let them help you so whenever you have the support to study with they uh, make the whole load lighter and they like, break down things that are easier to understand and so by the time exams are coming around you prepared your confident and you're able to sit your exams.
1: Ah, okay. And uh, speaking of support groups, uh, you've mentioned your teachers, your parents, and now your your friends and of course your classmates. I have a question not really in terms of a support group, mm. but um, do you have siblings? Yes, I do. Are know. you the eldest? Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm curious to know how that has been for your siblings because uh, you have been an A student from the get-go. Mm. Um, do your parents hold the same kind of um, how do I term it like do they expect Mm -hmm. your siblings to perform like you do I think my parents
0: are really exceptional as parents. I don't even know where they got I don't know <laughs> if they went to parenting school or not but they've never really compared mm. uh, because for example the one who follows me is two years below me and she's doing law at TCU and you could see like I was a more of a science student and first all, was an art student and so my parents ever say you also need to be a doctor or an engineer and know like what are you interested and in? And how about when
1: saw? the grades come out? Don't they ever say you see how Linda performs so well at this and that? Maybe you need to pull up your socks and be like linda
0: no they've actually never really um compared them i Mm. I think that comparison is actually external that's a funny thing it's many people who keep um, asking my siblings but how does it feel to have um uh, sibling that is like an overachiever or an overperformer. I, I think recently I saw one of my brother's friends tag him on Twitter when mm. I posted and like, oh, this pressure, how do you handle it? And I told him it's really okay. As long as you know back at home, there is no pressure. Really, mm. we accept everyone the way they are. Whether you want to be a DJ, a chef, a psychologist, whatever I want to be, mm. the pressure shouldn't be that I need to be an engineer. I you know those conventional professions. That's because for true. me, to be a doctor, it wasn't about the prestige or anything like that. It was really just being a to help out or being able to treat as many cardiac patients and as possible. And it all started
1: with the heart issues yes, your mother had.
0: Exactly. So that there's never really been comparison, at least at home. The comparison is external, but because we know that we are all different and we have different paths set out for us, I constantly encourage my siblings not to let that pressure build onto them.
1: Oh, That's really nice. That's really encouraging because um, parents do this a lot. I'm, I'm a mother of three mm-hmm. and uh, my son is in S2 And I see his strengths and yeah. I see his young sister's strength. Now if God is by our side, I feel like my children are going to be totally different from each other yes. and all I do it will. Like, for instance when my son was at your former school in P7 I told him I believe you're bright enough to get four mm-hmm. but if you don't get four I will still love you. Just yes. work hard enough because I know you have what it takes to get the four mm-hmm. and he got the four and of course I was happy yes. but I would still have been happy if he got eight or nine because mm-hmm. at the end of the day sometimes it's not really the grades i know we are here because you got the grades (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes it's not about the grades because uh, some people are so good uh, book wise but Mm -hmm. they're not good when it comes to you know making um networks and that brings me to the next question and not really a question but something i have identified Mm -hmm. because hard as it is in medical school, yeah. you have still created time to do things that interest you. Yeah. You are in the Rotaract Club. You have um, events where you meet your friends for, you know, whatever you like to do. Yeah. And of course, most people are one-centered, mm-hmm. like single-centered. I am in school. I'm going to read. I won't go out. I won't go dancing. I will not go to a party. Yeah. And uh, one thing I've learned in my years of life and professional life is mm-hmm. that um, the greater are good. But then you need components from different aspects. You need to the IQ and then you need uh, the emotional quotient as yes. well. That is the emotional intelligence. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't do you any favors to be bright. Yes. But then you can't make networks. You yes. can't make friendships that Mm -hmm. last because at the end of the day i need to be able or your friends Mm -hmm. let's say your friend is an engineer she needs to call you when she has a medical issue and when someone needs an engineer you need you know someone and that's how we work we refer each other oh i need someone to write a proposal for me and you're like oh i know this girl and then you call that person Mm -hmm. so i I give you credit for Thank <laughs> you. for doing your best to yeah. stay afloat and I really hope you stay like that. But I think you will. Yes, I will. <laughs> You've already done so well. <laughs> With support systems in place, definitely. Yeah. Ah, and I like the fact that your siblings don't really have to feel the pressure mm-hmm. to compare themselves to you. That's a huge thing. I hope many parents can learn from your parents. I need lectures. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, why are we lacking... As the, the medical industry... Okay, I'm not a doctor. I, that that not sound like, <laughs> I'm a doctor. But why do you think the country's medical industry overall is lacking? And what... If you were to work here, if you were to practice here, what would you think needs to be changed? And what would you do to change that? Um So...
0: I think we've really seen a lot of growth. We Mm. won't deny that. Because like I said a few minutes ago about the minimal access surgery. Uh, We have a few doctors that trained years ago in that. Then there's no equipment at all to support that. But... Um, recently there's a partnership between Uganda and South Korea and so we had some South Korean doctors coming to Uganda and bringing the necessary equipment and so now more and more doctors are getting equipped with the skills to do minimal access surgery. So I seeing great improvements. So I think the government just needs to see how can we be intentional about such partnerships because yes, we are third world countries so some things we will not be able to afford but if we could get partnerships that really really help us in trying to get these medical supplies in, if we keep saying that we don't have gloves to do surgeries or blades to do surgeries, can we create some partnerships where we have, let's say, a country that is dedicated to just giving Uganda gloves? Yes, we the should. The way
1: we were in the in the pandemic, where we had countries giving us PPEs.
0: Exactly. Mm. And I know we should uh, move more towards independence, but we need to accept that we need someone. We help still need help. <laughs> we still need a lot of help to get to where we need to get. So if we could be more intentional about those partnerships, countries like China, India, more willing to Japan. support. Exactly. Because when we have the China Friendship Hospital in Naguru, that we hospital, it's, yes, yes, it's through our partnership with China, just like I've said, South Korea. So, if the government says they don't have money right now, and we've seen it in many other I ministries, mean, it's, it's not just the Ministry of Health that is affected. We could maybe focus more on the partnerships, yeah, so they're not solely dependent on the government per se. They need borrowing money from the IMF or things like that but in forming partnerships that can help us because just like I said we have the doctors the doctors are really passionate they're willing to gain all these skills but if they don't have the environment to practice in then most of them are going to run away unfortunately and we can't blame them because there's no point in having all these skills and you can't um use them or be a doctor maybe have a family of three like Olive but you can't even fend for them because for example Hillside is not a cheap school most secondary schools right now are not cheap and so if a doctor is earning three million uh, gross salary and maybe after tax session, it's Maybe two million
1: and then he has a wife and exactly, children. He has and rent a wife and, and all these responsibilities. And <laughs> yes, yes. they are going we are going to encounter brain drain. They're yes. going to go to countries like Australia where, you know, I know a famous doctor on um, Facebook. Uh, he's called uh Drew Demba. I think Drew stands for Andrew. Mm. And this guy is so successful. He yes. works in Australia, but he went to Macquarie University mm-hmm. and he says he left not because he was greedy but after realizing that there wasn't much yes. to propel him to greater heights. He had to leave. But then he says he's worked with people that have worked, uh, gone to schools like Harvard, Oxford, and he beats them. Mm. So the problem is not Macary University. The problem is not what is that um, institution in Bara? Um, Bara University of Central yes. Technology. Yes. Yeah. It is not uh, how you're taught. It is not the skill. You have the skill, but do you have the resources that you need to do your job and do it right? Yeah.
0: And actually, another you know, funny thing is, Uh, medical students who are trained in Africa are more um, hands-on than Mm. the students that are trained internationally. Because when you go
1: to Gulu, (laughs) like you said in the beginning, and you do your internship from there, you're going to get more hands-on experience. You're going to work with so little and that is going to make you way better than someone that has everything given to them. You have all these machines. So you're going to think out of the box as a doctor and that Takes you to greater heights.
0: Yes, I think that's actually the cornerstone of Uganda medical <laughs> practice:
1: improvisation. <laughs> Improvising It's like you're quite walking quite in a war zone. Yes, you're like a trauma surgeon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, mm-hmm. and I know someone may say that is consolation. But like you said, because you're the one who is there, you said we have improved Mm. we've come a long way and maybe in the next 5 10 15 years there is going to be more Mm. but then before we close off i know you also do psychotherapy yes and uh especially last year Mm -hmm. there was a high rate of uh, teenage suicides and young adult suicides um what do you think triggers that
0: so, I think it's different things, really. Um, one of the biggest things in secondary schools is bullying. Mm. And bullying because of the size of your nose, your height maybe for the boys, the kind of clothes that you wear, the kind of English that you speak. I've, I've had some people really sharing. Uh, they maybe came from rural schools, and so they came with an accent. And when they joined maybe a, a Kampala Secondary School for their level, they were bullied because of that. So, it's usually bullying. And about the smallest things, because someone um, recently gave a testimony about... Um, her suicidal attempt before. Someone who told her she had a big nose and for a very long time she believed her nose was big until she got exposed and realized it was not such a big issue. Until she's
1: sorry, Hannah. <laughs> she realized actually I'm pretty.
0: <laughs> exactly. So it's really uh, bullying is one of them but also like abuse. Mm. Sometimes they're being abused at home uh, mm. by maybe their parents sometimes it could be the father abusing the girl or his stepmothers for example or even uncles aunties or even abuse at school the teachers abusing them so usually these children don't have someone to run to usually the counselors are maybe older people that they think would judge them because maybe this is a 15 year old and their counselor is like 45 so they think they And they don't believe
1: that you may have anything stressing you out exactly. many people don't believe that children or teenagers have anything stressing yes, them unfortunately and so when
0: they go they like no you're lying or you just, want, you just don't want to go to school you're being lazy you're, then they even beat them up if they're trying to like um, talk to their parents at home, saying I can't go back to school maybe because that she has been abusing them so we've really had such issues and so we're trying to see how can we go into these secondary schools there's actually uh, a group of young doctors that came together and are uh, trying to go into secondary schools and see if they can talk to these children because they're young They are mm. most of them are about maybe between 23 to 27 so like for them to see that young people are able
1: to help them out and yeah so we shall try as much as possible to be able to reach out to these people. But what are you people. doing to try and help? How are you talking to these children? Uh, or what are you saying to someone listening right now and they're going through the same thing? Um, So what we've
0: been trying to say is um, it's important to talk about it and uh, the most important thing is confidentiality that's what we try to emphasize when we're talking to these children that you can confide in us and we will not tell anyone unless you're ready to tell the other person so that I would say that trust and confidentiality are the biggest things that help out
1: in therapy. Ah wow. So I guess the next time we have a conversation it will be along those lines. Yes. But I am so happy that you agreed to have a conversation with me. And uh like I've been saying all through the show, congratulations. And I really wish you the very best in your profession. And I hope you stay. Yes. (laughs) I hope you don't have to leave because we need you here. We need as much doctors as we can Mm. down here. Yeah. So what would be your last words before we break off? Um, just to thank you really for hosting me.
0: And uh, just like you said, we are here to encourage young girls and boys. Boys really shouldn't be left
1: out that yes. it's possible to achieve whatever they have dreamed to achieve. Oh, the sky is not the limit, yes. guys. So if you're listening and you have a sister, a brother, a child, a son or daughter, or you're just a guardian of someone, encourage them and share this podcast with them when we upload it please share it with them so that they may know that it is not just in the movies you can be a cardio say it again <laughs> <oxygen. It's just laughs> yes uh, my name is olive monica Nejuma thank you so much for being a part of this show i'll catch you again next weekend you are the real mvp for tuning into rx radio
0: brunch talk with olive on rx radio